Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number 877-973-7425. Although, I want to be brutally honest with you all. I will be back in uh, about 40 minutes. <laughs> uh, I'm actually over on my flagship station, WSB, finishing up uh, my carathon work, but I wanted to be with you guys today. I didn't want to have a guest host come in today because uh, we got a lot of news to talk about. I will be here, I promise, in 40, 45 minutes uh, after I wrap up, and I want to spend a lot of time on your phone calls today since I wasn't there yesterday, uh, but uh, hold off the lines until about 1 o'clock. I, I got to just hear me out. Can, can you all just, oh, boy. Um, we got to talk about the recession and stuff, but I gotta, I gotta decompress with you guys for a moment. Matter of just complete honesty. Um, so we do at my, my flagship station WSB, you know, for years I did four to 6 PM locally there. I did nine to noon as a syndicated show. After my friend Rush Limbaugh died, uh, I took my nine to noon show and the four to six show for a while. I was doing nine to three. And then we merge those two shows, noon to three. Uh, so it's it's my show on WSB, but they allow me to syndicate it around the country. That's why for those of you in, in the Georgia area, it's it's less specifically about Georgia now. Some of you nationwide sometimes I think get a little tired of, of the Georgia stuff, although it's in the spotlight nationally. Uh, I, I did an interview with a reporter from the BBC yesterday about the Georgia election, but I still work for WSB. And I still participate and would, even if I didn't work for them, participate in the Carathon for the Aflac Cancer and Blood Disorder Center. And yesterday was the most gut-wrenching day of my life in radio. I'm reliving it now. Y'all, put it this way. I, I had to go pick up my kid from Georgia Tech yesterday. She was She's in a camp engineering camp kids are starting to get covid they've done the bulk of the work she's gone to the six flags she's like dad can you just come get me um i'm over it i'm ready to come home i was like sure i'll do it uh but you gotta wait i'll be there like um i'll be there 3 30 ish and then we left the carathon philip and i did and i was like philip i gotta go sit at a bar have beer and i don't want to talk to you i just need to sit for a minute I, I need to just sit have a beer decompress relax we got to my kid eventually we had to interview parents yesterday, two years ago, Brian Kilmeade and the staff uh, with the Carathon. Uh, Kilmeade did it with us. Uh, he interviewed uh, Matthew Gould, who was a child who in 2016 or so went to the doctor on spring break, was feeling bad, and the doctor said, you have to get to Choa now. You can't go home. You must go immediately. We'll call a helicopter they couldn't get a helicopter, and so the, the doctor told the family, they were on spring break, said, get in the car and drive. And they drove, and they got to Children's Healthcare of Atlanta and the cancer center late. 79 days later, they went home. 79 days later, that was five years ago. And he fought until July of last year, and he died. 
he wanted to do medical research with his doctor. His make-a-wish request was to help his doctor do medical research. The kid had a mind for science. He was able to get his driver's license. He was able to learn to drive a car. He was able to graduate from high school. And a week after he graduated, he died. He never missed an assignment. He never fell behind. He never complained. He never got to ring the bell. That was an emotionally grueling day yesterday. Y'all, it, it was bad. And the parents were wonderful. I was with my friend Clark Howard, who many of you know from radio, and we were both just emotionally exhausted after it was over. I had to get up, go take a break, and just close myself in a bathroom stall for a minute and just breathe. Didn't cry, came close, didn't cry, came real close. It was exhausting. And I want to mention that to y'all here because I, I wasn't shirking my responsibilities yesterday. I was doing that. But I want to make this point to you. Uh, Matthew never got to ring the bell. You know, for cancer patients, when you go through cancer and you're finished with all your treatments and they pronounce your cancer in remission, you ring a bell. My mother-in-law had been battling breast cancer. She rang the bell a few weeks ago. My wife will never ring the bell. My wife's cancer doesn't have a cure. Now, maybe because of the medicine she's on, it will buy us time to they get to a cure, maybe. We're trying to be optimistic, but also realistic here. But, you know, it's, it's getting her close to being able to see her daughter graduate from high school. It's might going to be able to buy her time to see her son graduate from high school. And that medical research is privately funded. And so too is the funding for childhood cancer. It, it's not, there's not a lot of government funding. Kids aren't voters. So the government doesn't fund a lot of it. Private donations do. And while we are with the medical research for my wife's cancer, able to buy her time, your dollars for childhood cancer are able to buy a kid a lifetime. You know, the rate of survivability of childhood cancer has gone from 20% survivability just 22 years ago to over 80% today because of medical research. Matthew is one of the ones the research had not caught up to his cancer. And he died. Now, the thing was... So when everybody, anybody gets to $500, uh, donates $500, they ring a bell. And they, um, the phones went dead during the interview with Matthew's parents yesterday. Dead. Nobody donated. And his mom made the the statement that Matthew finally got his, got his angel wings. You know, the, the old line from, um, oh, what's, it's a wonderful life that every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. And the bells, the moment the interview was done, started ringing, people calling in, giving money. In fact, that, that for the first time, they had to open the overflow center for calling. They got so many calls at one time. Uh, the calls rolled over, uh, and they had to get volunteers to rush in and start answering more phones. And all the bells were ringing. 
His mom had said, Matthew got his angel wings. Well, a whole lot of other angels got wings as all those bells were ringing. It was emotionally exhausting. I am emotionally exhausted again talking to you about it, which is why I have to move on and talk about other stuff. I, I can't keep talking about this uh, with you guys. It was just, it was, it was an amazing day. Now, listen, um, it's the Children's Healthcare Center of Atlanta. And a lot of you are like, why would I um, donate? I live in Utah. I live in New York. I live in Montana. Uh, They're the number seven childhood cancer treatment facility in the nation. They treat kids from all 50 states. Uh, They're a spillover facility for a lot of other states, including places like Florida, the Carolinas. Uh, But also, more importantly, they're the number one research facility for blood disorders in the country, not just sickle cell. There are lots of blood disorders that affect kids that aren't cancer but can be fatal. I heard from one parent yesterday who they identified a very rare blood disorder um, that is causing his eight-year-old to have to have a liver transplant. It's not cancer, but it's a blood disorder, and, and they're the number one research facility. And But for the Athlete Cancer and Blood Disorder Center at Children's Healthcare of Atlanta, the family would never have uh, been able to catch it. So wherever you are, if you are willing, if you would, um, well, if you would call 888-750-2772 or text the word donate to 33777, I'll send you the link back. You can donate. Just keep in mind wherever you are. If you're in Juneau, Alaska, I've got listeners in Juneau, Alaska, believe it or not. Uh, If you are in Portland, Maine, I got listeners there too. Uh, if you know someone in your community with a blood disorder, uh, where you're donating is the number one research facility in North America for blood disorders, particularly for kids, seventh largest pediatric cancer center in the country, second largest pediatric cancer research facility in the country. Uh, if you want to give, just text the word donate to three, three, seven, seven, seven. It is a really worthy cause. Yesterday was so emotional, y'all. My gosh. I know I've got to get to the headlines. I know I do, but I just, I needed to decompress with y'all and and really, I needed to let you know what's going on Um, because I am actually live right there right now and I'll be back here in about 30 minutes. Um, I'm finishing up there. I'm interviewing a a patient who has uh, successfully battled cancer. Um, Yesterday, I interviewed an eight-year-old who had battled leukemia and and had been given a clear bill of health two years running now. Um, It's such a worthy cause. And sometimes it it puts the world in perspective for you. If nothing else, that there are greater, bigger, more important things than uh, really known about news headlines for the day. So if you will, the phone number is 888-750-2772. Or you can text donate to 33777. I am going to step out, uh, dry my eyes, and uh, when we come back, we have a lot of headlines that happened yesterday while I was gone that we have to get to, Uh, and just keep in mind that if you donate $500 or more, you can get them to ring the bell for Matthew, who died. Also, uh, for $500, you can get a seat at Bourbon and Butts. That's where you get to come drink my bourbon, out of my personal private bourbon collection, and eat barbecue with me at my studio in Atlanta. Uh, it's scheduled in October. There's also, uh, if you want to come to Atlanta, um, I'm going to do a, a meet and greet Q&A in the live uh, listener lounge at WSB Radio. 
Uh, it's $350 going to make those happen. Uh, all you do is you call 888-750-2772. Tell them you either want bourbon and butts or you want the listener live lounge. Uh, and if you can make it to Atlanta, wherever you are, uh, we'll be able to hang out and have a drink and grab some barbecue and have a good time uh, and toast the memories of these kids and also celebrate the lives of those who have fought and survived. Now, when we come back, the headlines in your phone calls, I'll give you that number on the other side. Well, my kid is home from camp. All is right with the world now. Um, you know, I, I got to tell you, I, I wasn't sure that I would um, <laughs> that that I would miss my child as much as I did. And my gosh, did I now? Uh, she called every day, so I got to talk to her. But I, I don't know that I'm prepared for my daughter to go off to college after her being gone for a week, um, although not fully a week. So COVID started sweeping through the summer camp at Georgia Tech, and she didn't want to stay. Uh, she also thought it was a little ridiculous. Apparently at this camp, if you didn't wear your mask you, to the classes, you had to go to the front, get on the microphone, and apologize for not wearing a mask. And despite all the mask wearing, COVID was sweeping through anyway, and she didn't want to get it. They were done with most of the stuff. They had taken their their um field trip to Six Flags, so she decided it was time to come home. But So she's home. Got her last night. I was glad, particularly after after out that grueling day yesterday, talking with the parents of these kids. You just wanted to hug your kid, um, hug them and hold them. Now, as predicted, we have entered into recessionary territory. Axios is reporting the stock market keeps chugging higher despite growing evidence that the economy is in trouble. The S&P 500 posted gains yesterday, even after new data showed the economy shrank for the second straight quarter. The index is up more than 7% so far in July, enjoying its best month since November of 2020, when positive news about the COVID vaccines first emerged. But the stock market rallying on vaccines made intuitive sense. Why is it rallying here? Well, the stock market isn't the economy. You got to remember that. But also, you got to remember this. The Federal Reserve is taking aggressive efforts to stamp out inflation. The stock market is far more worried about inflation than they are a recession. The reason that the stock market is more worried about a recession or inflation than a recession is because you don't want to get into a stagflation situation where we don't have growth and we have high interest rates, which is what we have right now, really. We're in stagflation right now. But if the Fed can stamp out the uh, high inflation, the economy has a really good chance of rebounding. Here's the problem. And I want to be really intellectually honest on this, and I'm going to spend time on this when we come back. It is actually true. It is actual factual truth that there is a national economics board of some sort that tells us whether or not we are in a recession. And in 2008, they made a more formal definition than two quarters of negative economic growth. It is also true that this is a, the two quarters of negative economic growth has always been the standard the media, the pundits, and the economists have used, and in fact is the standard for the Bank of England, the Bank of Germany, uh, and, and a host of other banks around the world as the economic indicator and standard for if you are in a recession. The definition changed in the United States was in 2008, and no one embraced it at all ever until on Monday, the Biden administration started begging people to change the definition. It is also true 
The reason the Biden administration argues we're not technically in a recession is because hiring has still been going up. And typically in a recession, hiring, uh, you see layoffs, not a decrease in unemployment. And uh, the economic output in most sectors of the economy is still strong outside of technology and a few other other sectors. So it's true. There are factors that suggest we're not in a recession. The problem is the traditional definition is two quarters negative economic growth. And until Monday and Tuesday, everyone, including Joe Biden and his economic advisors, used that even after the definition was changed all the way back in 2008. In fact, in 2008, after the definition was changed, Brian Deese, the White House economic advisor, was still using the two quarters negative economic growth to attack George Bush. And now he's like, ah, that's not really the definition. No, don't use that. It's not intellectually honest. And that's the problem. It's not intellectually honest. There are also, to be fair to the Biden administration, many examples of the uh, board that labels recessions and stuff in the Labor Department coming back and saying, actually, we misestimated and there was more growth or sometimes it's even worse negative growth. They revise the numbers upwards and downwards. But the bottom line is this. You and I know darn well if a Republican were president of the United States, the media would be declaring it a recession based on the traditional definition of two quarters of negative economic growth. You can't deny that. You can't deny it because many of the very same reporters who right now are using the new definition were just two years ago under Donald Trump said, oh, two quarters negative economic growth. We're in a recession. John Harwood of CNN actually said we're in a manufacturing recession two years ago because of two quarters of negative growth in manufacturing, even though everything else was fine. And now they're all like, ah, it's not a recession now. It doesn't meet the definition. These are partisan propagandists in the press, and they would be going after a Republican. They're not going after Biden. They want to protect Biden. It is not genuinely, intellectually honest. The reality is we are on economic crisis, uh, economic crisis. The reality is the signs around the world show the economy is headed to very bad places. And the reality is if we are not technically in a recession today, despite the traditional definition, we're headed into one, folks. The Biden administration says we're not in a recession. We are in a transition what are we transitioning to? We're not transitioning the economy's gender. We're transitioning from growth to decline. Welcome back. It is Eric Erickson here. Well, it is time for a deep dive into the audio files because it's actually kind of impressive, the pushback from the White House and members of the media on the recession. All signs are that this is a strong economy and the probability of a recession within the next year is not particularly elevated. It's a strong economy and, and nothing about it suggests that it's that it's close to or vulnerable to a recession. I don't expect a recession. No, no one is predicting a recession now. We are not expecting that we are already in the recession. In fact, the guts and the bones of this economy remain strong. These are not the marks of an economy in recession. Right now, we don't see a recession. Right now, that is not, we're not in a recession right now. This is not an economy that's in recession. Not only is a recession not inevitable, but I think that a lot of people are underestimating those strengths and the resilience of the American economy. We have a strong labor market, which you don't normally see in a recession. A recession is broad-based weakness in the economy. We're not seeing that now. In your view, is a recession in the United States inevitable? 
No. Typically, economists date a recession as being at least two quarters of negative growth uh, and, other and other factors, which we have not seen at all. The idea that uh, two quarters of negative GDP growth is a technical definition of a recession is wrong. A common definition of recession is two negative quarters of GDP growth. Two quarters of negative growth in a row, that's a recession. Right, and certainly the, in terms of the technical definition, it's not a recession. The technical definition considers a much broader spectrum uh, of data points. What is exactly the White House's definition of a recession? Again, we don't, we don't def I'm not going to define it from here. How worried should Americans be that we could be in a recession? We're not going to be in a recession. Nobody, including especially the White House and especially Joe Biden, is going to sugarcoat any of this. Well, I'm, I, I'm not concerned about a recession. And, I mean, you're always concerned about uh, a recession. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Wow. Yep. Um, it, you know, that they, they've locked down Wikipedia now on the definition of what a recession is. All right, uh, Steve, did you you didn't try to go into Wikipedia and change mm -hmm. recession, did you? You, know, you can't change it. Uh, they changed that on the 27th. It's uh, it, it, did you see that? It, now it's it's not changeable. Have you tried Joe, to go? In there? I got I got so much I got so much hate mail yesterday for not no calling it a recession. It's That's like weird. Yeah. People Nobody need did. to have this called a recession. I saw one and, place and, did. And here's I saw the, one one place did again and again I, and again and again and again and again and again that you beat me over the head with it. But um, but most no, most major none of the economists did. called it a recession I that I talked to. It's like. But but that's like sort of the point of my story this morning. If it's called a recession, what do you do with it? Do you go and do regular sort of recession policies? It's like, why do you need it called a recession? Well, because of policy. What do you do with it? Right. Right. It's just... Uh, remember we had a jobless recovery? Now... <laughs> Joe Curtin. Uh, we had a jobless recovery... Uh, and, um, now, now this and everybody quibbling over it. Um, it, it look, the reason that people needed to be called a recession is to decide and point out who are the propagandists in the press and who are not. You want some propagandists? Let's listen, uh, to the commentary at CBS News this morning. You mentioned Federal Reserve Chair Powell in yesterday's meeting, he actually said we're not in a recession. Um, but, you know, we're looking at this and we're hearing about recession. It's almost like a buzzword now. Um, are we in well, a recession? Well, I mean, look, we don't know because the way we determine recessions is this place called the National Bureau of Economic Research has something called the Dating Committee. Mm -hmm. They look at a lot of factors and they say, after the fact, here's when a recession began, here's where it ended. Here's what Powell's really worried about. He's saying everyone's talking about recession. It's getting ingrained. People are worried about inflation. We don't want it to become a self-fulfilling prophecy. <laughs> the propagandists. The propagandists. Over to you at the White House. When you look at uh, the economy, how he was able to turn it back on when he walked in, businesses were shut down, uh, schools were shut down. Oh, my goodness. One more from Secretary of Treasury Janet Yellen. President Biden has said we've entered a new phase in our recovery, focused on achieving steady, stable growth without sacrificing the gains of the last 18 months. 
President steady, stable growth without sacrificing the gains of the last 18 months. Okay, if you say so, Janet Yellen. Oh, boy. Wow. One more from the White House. I'm, I'm having fun with this. Um, today, the president argued that the economy is not in a recession. And it was a year ago that the president said that inflation would be temporary. So the question is, why should Americans take his word for it now when the president got it wrong on the economy a year ago? So here's, you know, when we talk about recession and we talk about where we are currently uh, today, what we look at and what we speak to is uh, the facts, is what other uh, other experts are saying and what the textbook definition uh, is of recession. <laughs> we, we just asked her what the definition of a recession was and she couldn't answer it. How is she so bad at this job? I'll give uh, Mitch McConnell the last word. Democrats have plunged America into a recession. According to official statistics, the U.S. economy just shrank for the second consecutive quarter. Democrats inherited an economy that was primed for an historic comeback and promptly ran it straight into the ground. Of course, working families didn't need any experts or statistics to tell them today's Democratic Party is a walking, talking economic disaster. Democrats' failures are causing working families deep personal pain on a daily basis. Yes, they are. And this is the problem for the Democrats. Thank you, Senator McConnell. Americans, whether you think we are in a technical recession or not, feel like we are in a recession. The number of stories I've seen this week on uh, upper income families are now having to cut back. That's actually, that sounds very pretentious, I realize, but follow along with me here. Upper income families tend to be a little more recessionary proof than the middle class. Upper income families have higher income, tend to have larger savings that they can draw from, have other revenue streams that they can draw from, and that they are cutting back is also a sign that we are in a recession or we are headed into one. It is absolutely intellectually, honestly true to say there are plenty of technical factors that suggest we're not in a recession. It's true. But also it is true that uh, we are, uh, by all accounts, technically inside a recession based on the historic standards. And I got to give credit to Jake Tapper at CNN, one of the best reporters out there. We don't always agree. I will confess, as would he, we don't always see the world the same way, but I think he's one of the more intellectually honest reporters in America and consider him a friend. And he did not let the White House economic advisor, Jared Bernstein, get away with it uh, late yesterday. Listen. Generally, traditionally, a recession is understood to be two successive quarters of negative economic growth. uh, And that is what we're in. I understand that you will tell me that that's not the official definition, but doesn't this semantic debate risk making the White House seem as if you're in denial and and out of touch with Americans who are really struggling out there? Not at all, Jake. I mean, let's acknowledge that every single family is the world's leading expert on how they themselves are doing. And we totally appreciate the degree that 
so many Americans feel pinched and squeezed uh, by the higher prices at the gas pump. Uh, even with gas prices down, uh, you know, 75 cents now, uh, uh, you know, squeezed at the grocery uh, 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 line by the impacts of global inflation on the U.S. We feel that. We're not denying that. But I do think it is also responsible to give people a balanced view of the state of the economy. And I'll offer you one fact, which is in the history of our country, only last year, only in 2021, has there ever been greater job growth in the first six months of a year than there were this year? There have been 2.7 million jobs created in the first half of this year. It is just really common sense that the second greatest amount of job growth in a six-month period could not be consistent with any uh, historical definition of a recession. But it's been two quarters in a row of negative GDP growth. I mean, that is an ugly fact. And traditionally, that has been the colloquial way a recession has been defined, two successive quarters of negative GDP growth. Good for Jake Tapper there. Good for him for doing that. He needs to be applauded for doing that. He really does, because uh, there are very few people in the media who are willing to do that. Now, he let uh, Bernstein go on to say that, yeah, but it, most of the private sector was still seeing growth, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, which is why the White House doesn't think we're in a recession and why the chairman of the Federal Reserve doesn't think we're in a recession, because there are, in fairness, parts of the economy, including hiring in the labor market, that saw growth over those two quarters. And in a recession, you tend to see layoffs. But the layoffs are beginning. And the problem for the White House here is in raw pol political terms that if they double down on we're not in a recession and then the recession comes, most Americans aren't going to think, oh, well, it turns out we weren't in a recession. Then we're in a recession now. Most Americans are going to interpret it as the recession keeps getting worse under Joe Biden. That's the problem the Democrats have. If only the Eden Pure could clean up the economy like it cleans up your air. The Eden Pure Thunderstorm is an air purifier that cleans up the air. It gets rid of the dust and the pollen. It gets rid of the mildew, the mold, the viruses, the bacteria. But most importantly, from my vantage point and the reason I really use it and love it, is it wipes out odors. It's not a multi-level marketing scheme. It's not essential oils. It doesn't cover up odors. It actually eliminates odors. And you can hold this thing in your hand. I keep one in my suitcase when I travel. You can plug it up with a USB cord in a car. You can plug it directly into the wall in a hotel room. And it wipes out odors, smoky odors, pet odors, frying odors, cooking odors. It wipes them out. What you do is you go to EdenPureDeals.com and you'll be greeted with a page that asks you for a radio host code and you put in ERIC3, E-R-I-C-K-3, and you will get three Eden Pure Thunderstorms for less than $200, one for your upstairs, one for your downstairs, one for your basement or your car, your RV, your suitcase, like I keep mine in my suitcase. Go to EdenPureDeals.com, you put ERIC3 in the discount code, and you get three of them for less than $200. You're saving $200, and you get free shipping. It is EdenPureDeals.com, and the discount code is ERIC3. Well, they tell me that all of my specials uh, for the Carathon for the Athletic Cancer Blood Disorder Center are sold out. So, uh, you know, next year, next August, we're going to do a gathering in Atlanta. I'm inviting all of the would-be prospective 
Republican presidential candidates to come to Atlanta and answer your questions. It'll be next August, um, the middle of August, I think the third weekend in August. If you subscribe to my email, you will get 50% off the initial early bird price. Um, you got to be a paid subscriber to it. It's like seven bucks a month to be a paid subscriber. You also will get uh, my daily show notes email by being a paid subscriber. So all the links to all my stuff uh, that I do in the show, including today, they're all there in that email. All you do is text data to 33777, click on the show notes uh, link, put your email address in. You get a lot of stuff for free if you just put your email address in. If you pay the seven bucks a month or 70 for a year, get a good discount. You not only get the daily show stuff, you get exclusive videos, you get exclusive interviews, and you'll get 50% off the early bird rate for the conference uh, that happens next August. We are inviting Pence, we're inviting uh, Dan Crenshaw, Chip Roy, Jim Jordan, Steve Scalise, Nikki Haley, Tom Cotton, Ron DeSantis, um, uh, Ted Cruz, Marco Rubio, Rick Scott, Tim Scott, um, Josh Hawley, you name it. We're inviting them all. I don't know who all will come, but we're going to invite them all. We're going to say, will you be the future of the Republican Party? Uh, let's look forward, not to the past. Let's move forward. Uh, new ideas, uh, old ideas packaged for new times. How are we going to proceed? We want them to come to the conference and answer your questions. The format will be no speeches. You sit down in a chair with me and you have a conversation with me about the future and your policy vision. And in my conversation, I take your questions and I weave them into the conversation. So they're not just answering my questions, they're answering your questions too. That'll be the gathering. It'll happen uh, the third weekend in August of 2023, the Republican presidential candidates. If you're a paid subscriber, look, it's seven bucks a month. I mean, your subscription is going to save you money if you wanna come by getting the advanced tickets from the early bird special. All you do is text the word data to 33777 and you can subscribe. I tell you, one of the things I got to do is figure out how to work this out because there'll be a Friday in there and it'll be me on radio. And I'm thinking what I want to do is package those conversations to be on radio uh, live noon to three, package those conversations, uh, have those conversations and and they'll just be the radio show that day. Make it easy on me. Won't have to pre-record or get a guest host and have some interesting conversations. We'll figure that out. Uh, it'll be in Atlanta, Georgia, the third weekend in August, 2023. Uh, we will um, rope people in over time. I'll tell you who's coming. We're just now sorting it out, getting the sponsors, raising the money, all that. We got to get a sponsor to, one of the things we do is we get a lot of sponsors to help cover it. So it keeps the ticket costs down. And that's what we want. Um, so if you want to, if you want to subscribe, uh, get more details. You want to get the free email every day, or you want to get the detailed one with the show notes and the discounts. Text uh, data to three three seven seven seven. When we come back, we got a lot of other news out there today, including the Biden administration uh, offering up a new rule uh, for colleges that might actually require that your daughters not just have to share a bathroom with a boy, but have a boy as a roommate. Yes, bizarre stuff coming out of the Biden administration trying to placate the progressives and the wokes. They got to hold their own, except there's new data out. I told you this was going to be the case. There's been a massive survey on abortion in the country. And it turns out uh, supposedly two thirds of the country, according to the Washington Post survey, two thirds of the country say they are very concerned about abortion rights in the country, but also the majority of people most concerned 
about losing abortion rights, the pro pro abortion activists, not the pro lifers, the pro abortion activists are now far less likely to go vote. There are also a slew of polls that have come out that show the Democrats suddenly ahead in the generic ballot. I would be cautious about believing them for a lot of reasons, uh, most in specifically because some of them have had a, um, a a polling bias against the GOP for some time. I just don't see this happening for the Democrats in November. Uh, there are a lot of, lot of, lot of headwinds there uh, against them. We'll get into all of that. And I want to spend a lot of time on your phone calls since I didn't this hour. I wasn't here yesterday, been raising money for the Carathon. I want to give you the Carathon number one more time. If you would like to donate to fight childhood cancer at the nation's second largest research facility for childhood cancers, the nation's number one research facility, the North American number one research facility for childhood um, blood disorders. It's uh, the Children's Healthcare of Atlanta, Aflac Cancer Blood Disorder Center. It's all entirely donor-based research, donor-based funding. It's 888-750-2772. Call them, donate, tell them you're listening nationwide to my program and you wanted to be a part of it because your kid will be impacted by the research. If something happens to your child, God forbid, they'll be impacted. They'll be helped by this center. Your dollars help, 888-750-2772. 2772 or text donate to 33777. When we come back, we're going to open the phone lines. I want to spend time with your calls today. The phone number is 888-973-74. Hey, no, no. Well, I'm getting them all confused now. 877-973-7425. 877-973-7425 is the show number. We'll be back. <laughs> 